Hello and welcome to the Light from Light podcast. My name's Daniel and your name is... Brother Thomas Therese. Comma OP. Comma OP. Oh, you forgot it. You forgot it. Welcome back. (laughs) (laughs) No, you can't drop it. You can never drop it for life now. You've taken that vow. (laughs) Oh, well, that's true. I can't drop it in the formal sense. Yeah. I thought about dropping it from the podcast. No, it's become a thing now. (laughs) (laughs) So in our last episode, we spoke about vocation which means calling. So if you have the opportunity, go back and, and check out that episode. Uh, Brother Thomas shares with us his particular calling to religious life as a Dominican, you know, why he has comma OP after his name. And we also touched briefly in that episode on what vocation means. We said that it means to be called by God to something. And we can think of calling as three connected parts. You know, so universal calling, particular calling, and a unique calling. Uh, so today I thought we'd focus on that first bit, universal calling, because we're all called to holiness. We're all called uh, in that universal calling to be saints. So our episode for today is, what does it mean to be a saint? Yeah, we've done it in a bit of a strange order, really, haven't we? I mean, last time we looked at my particular vocation, and now we're sort of now we're going to be looking at the universal vocation to holiness. So it's quite an interesting, uh, interesting way around that we've done it. Uh, maybe that says more about our organisation than anything else. No, no, it was providence because last week was it was Good Shepherd, Good Shepherd Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, that's true, and that was completely planned. <laughs> well, it was planned in God's providence, of course. So why is it why is it that we're looking at the saints? You know, when I talk to my confirmation candidates and people sort of more generally i often see i often say that if you want to see the difference that god makes in the world one great place to look are the lives of the saints people very often say you know what difference does the church make now and all the rest of it look to the lives of the saints and you start seeing the answer how god transforms people's lives and then those people transform the world and the the people around them and so then the church raises up some particular saints what we say is we we raise them to the altars so we raise them to a position of honor in the church so when we talk about the saints really we're talking about not just sort of one category of people saints are very very diverse and we'll go into talking a little bit about that uh, in a moment but also that there are saints who are recognized by the church and called saint so-and-so, you know, Saint Therese of Lisieux, Saint Bernadette, Saint Peter, or Saint Michael the Archangel. But there are also those saints in heaven who haven't been raised for public, public devotion. But maybe at the beginning, maybe it's beneficial to talk a little bit about what do we mean when we talk about saints. So when I talk about saints, I'm talking about those holy ones who are close to God. When I'm talking about canonized saints and things and uh, the saints in heaven, I'm talking about saints who are in the presence of God. But there is another sense in which we can use the term saint, which is a bit more everyday, which is sadly fallen, fallen more and more out of use. You know, when somebody says, oh, gosh, you're a saint, you know, those things have fallen more and more out of use. But St. Paul, when in his letters, he talks about the saints, he talks about them in two senses, really. So in the beginning of uh, the letter of the Romans, he says that he's writing to those 
called to be saints. So there's a sense in which there's something to come. But in Ephesians, he says, you know, I, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. So this gives us another aspect of what it means to be a saint. To be a saint is to be, I suppose, pious in a certain sense. Pious meaning in the proper sense of the term, faithful. That's what the word really means. The, the word pious really just means faithful. So it's to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. So there's a sense in which we can live that sanctity and that Christian perfection that we're called here and now. And there's also a sense in which uh, we will be perfected also in the future. So this process of sanctification, I suppose, goes on throughout our life. And that there's a certain level, I suppose, of, of perfection. I mean, it's not to be, I don't want to scare you too much by using the word perfection. It's not to say that there are absolutely no defects whatsoever in the saints or that they or that they have had no room to grow it is true to say that there are no imperfections in the in the presence of god and the saints in the presence of god are more fully alive and more fully themselves and everything but it doesn't mean that they didn't have things that they struggled with while on earth if we were going to try and come up with some sort of definition of what a saint is what, what is it that you'd that you'd say i tie it back into the that universal call to holiness so to be holy means to be set apart, as it's often said, to be set apart, to live in friendship with Jesus Christ, with God. And that's something which is universal. It's for every single person. Every person is called to be holy. Uh, I know it's often said that this was something which has been taught more often in the last few decades, that everyone is called to holiness. You know, holiness isn't reserved just to priests and sisters and religious you know, Brother Thomas Therese isn't the only one called to be holy. <laughs> we are, we're all called to, uh, all called by God to be in friendship with, with him, with Jesus Christ, to be made holy, to become saints. It would help you if, if I was the only one who was called to be holy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. But, do, you know, there's a, there's a quote by Charles Bagu. I don't know. Is I don't right? know who that is. Oh, okay. Oh, you got me. You finally got me. <laughs> Something I didn't know. I found someone that you don't know. You might know the quote. The quote is, life holds only one tragedy, ultimately not to have been a saint. I recognise the quote, but I don't recognise who said it. Who is it who said it? Charles Bagu or Leon Blois. Oh, Leon Blois, I know. He often uses it. I think it's originally attributed to Charles Bagu. But I, I think actually this... Uh, this speaks of a truth. Life holds only one tragedy, ultimately not to have been a saint. And we might think there, well, you know, what what does that mean? Well, to be a saint is to be who we are made to be, to be who God made us to be, to be fully alive and to live without knowing our ultimate purpose, to live without being aware of the God who loves us so much. You know, that's a great tragedy. You know, imagine missing that. You haven't lived your life in communion with god you know what a great thing to miss out on this helps us to make sense of the world around us as well the whole world was created for us to be in communion with god to share his love to share in his life i mean we could almost say with with peter kreeft he often says that the world is a saint making machine everything in this world points ultimately to god and you know the whole purpose of creation is for us to be in relationship with God. 
you know this quote because I think you've you've said it before to me many times. But there's this quote by Saint Teresa of Avila. Well, there's a quote from Jesus. Jesus says it to Saint Teresa of Avila that he would create the universe again just to hear her say she loved him. Love that quote. Absolutely love that quote. I'd create the whole cosmos again, the whole universe again, just to hear you say one more time, you love me. Oh, isn't that wonderful? But, you know, Jesus doesn't just say that to St. Teresa of Avila because she's a saint. But each individual soul, yeah. Every single person, yeah. I would create the universe again just to hear you say you love me. And he leaves you free, right? He leaves you free to love him or not to. And I suppose then that, that brings us to a question of, well, how do I love him? How do I show that I love Christ? And of course, Christ in scripture says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And when he's asked what the most important commandment is, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart or your soul and all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And when the, the his interlocutor says to him, well, you know, I, I, I do love the Lord you know, and everything, you know, what do I, what do I do next? He says, well, if you want to be perfect, go and sell everything that you own and give it to the poor. And the man goes away very sad because he had many, many possessions. This is one of the reasons why religious life, of course, is called the way of perfection is because we, we give those things up. There's a joke that sort of says, you know, the day that you make, you make vows and or the day that you enter the order, you lay down your life and you spend the rest of your life trying to take it up again, <laughs> trying to get back what you've given up. <laughs> But yeah, I, I think you, you touched on something that I think is really crucial there. So this, this episode that we're talking about now really comes back to why do we exist at all? Why do we exist at all? And that the last episode where we spoke about vocation, I think that touches on another thing. Two fundamental questions that I think people have in, in today's world, not only today's world, but a perennial question is who am I? which touches on the question of vocation. And who am I called to be? Who is it I'm supposed to be? What is my purpose? What is my my telos? Why do I exist? What is my, what's going to, where am I going to find fulfillment? Where will I find fulfillment in my life? And I often say, do I not? <laughs> you were created by God for God. You know, so you're created by God who is love for God who is love and that's why the only thing that will satisfy the human heart the only thing that is appropriate for the or, or the only sort of milieu in which the human person can flourish is love you know we talk I, I've often told you about the story of the two fish swimming in the fishbowl that Karl Rahner a uh, great uh, theologian I can't remember when he died now <laughs> I was trying to think about when he died but I forgot um he uh, he was one of the 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 parity at the Second Vatican Council, so he was an advisor to the Second Vatican Council, and he said that uh, so you have two fish swimming in a pond or a fishbowl, and then they come up to another fish, and the other fish says, "Lovely water we're swimming in today," and then they carry on swimming, and then the fish turns to the other one and says, mm, "What's water?" That I think sort of encapsulates something of this that the only milieu in which the human person can flourish and survive because it's the reason for our existence it's what sustains us in in our being and keeps us alive is that god who is love and every vocation will be a working out of love and so every vocation to some extent will be about service and this is what a lot of uh, speakers mean when they say your life is not about you. What they're talking about there is that we're all called, no matter who we are, to serve other people 
in love. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your strength and love your neighbor as you love yourself. So you're also called to love yourself to some extent, right? How would you describe love? <laughs> love, I mean, well, if you want me to quote uh, my brother Thomas Aquinas, which I could sort of maybe see you angling with, with, with an eyebrow flash. Thomas Aquinas says that love is willing the good of the other, but not just sort of willing the good of the other in sense of wishing the good of the other, but willing the good of the other and working to bring that good about. And this is one of the reasons why we why we can say that God is supremely loving because God does that. He wants the best for you and he does everything he can to bring that about. But he also wills you freedom. He wills you to be a cause in your own right. You can choose things and you can cause things. He gives you that freedom and he gives you that power. And that also then means that we can cause things which are deficient in some way or are, we can we can do things that are bad and we can choose to either turn towards the Lord or we can turn away from the Lord. And it's that turning towards the Lord which is the process of becoming a saint. I, I would describe holiness as well, it's, it means to be set apart. So holy to be holy doesn't mean to be sinless, but it means to be set apart. When, when we say sorry, when, when we mean set apart, what do we what are we going to mean there, though? Do we mean set apart in the sense of, you know, um, is it the story of the Pharisee and the publican? And the Pharisee says, oh, you know, thank God I'm not like that man over there. Uh, but that man over there was the person who was saying, you know, I, I'm a sinner. And the Pharisee said, oh, you know, thank God I'm not a great sinner like that man. Is it set apart in that sense? What what do we mean when we're, when we, I mean, you, you're absolutely spot on. It does mean to be set apart. What are we meaning there? Does it mean that we don't interact with people who disagree with us? Does it mean that we think that we're better than other people? What is, what, what do we mean? Well, I like to think of it of as you're set apart from worldly things. So focus on worldly things. And then you're set apart for life with God, life with love, which means loving your neighbor, you know, as an extension of that, loving your neighbor and willing their good. And what do we mean when we say, when we say, you know, setting yourself apart from worldly things, what do we mean? What, what are we talking about there when we're talking about worldly, worldly things? You tell me, what does it, what does that mean? I'm trying to think. <laughs> That's why I asked you. You said it. <laughs> it doesn't mean that we have no concern for other people. Doesn't mean that we have no concern for our common home. As I mean, Pope Francis has written an encyclical called, called Laudato Si, talking about the care that we have of our creation. Uh, of course, Jesus tells us that we should love each other. And part of that, of course, is performing works of mercy for each other, feeding each other, clothing each other, not exploiting each other, you know, giving other people opportunities to grow in, in holiness and uh, to help each other have a have a good life. Uh, so what is it then that we mean when we're talking about not being worldly? We're talking about shunning vices so it's about not being proud or arrogant or conceited or greedy or lustful. It's about rejecting sins and remembering that we have a higher calling. We have something else that we are that we are called to. We're called not to mediocrity, the mediocrity that comes with placing pleasure, power, honor and wealth at the center of your life. We're called to holiness. We're called to something greater. We're called to be saints.
And this is why in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, in 915, it talks about how all Christian, all Christian people are called to some extent incorporate poverty, chastity and obedience into their lives. But that will be different depending on what sort of life you're in, right? So, for example, for those saints who are married, chastity means that they will be able to have sex within their marital within their marital bond right for religious like myself it means not poverty again it doesn't mean that if you have a family it doesn't mean that you shouldn't adequately care for your family you should adequately care for your family but there's a certain sort of simplicity of life that one is called to live as a as as a as a christian in a similar way with obedience well obedience to who and what obedience to anything no obedience primarily to god but also recognizing the voice of Christ in his church. So being obedient to those uh, to, to those spiritual authorities in our life, but also obedient to our parents, you know, uh, in good in good things. You know, obviously, if our parents tell us to do something which is sinful or wrong, then, of course, we say no. <laughs> and we say no, not only for ourselves, we say no for our parents sake, too, because it wouldn't be good for them to to lead us into doing something that's wrong. So. Yeah, there is this sense in which saints are set apart, but it doesn't mean that they're removed from the world in, in such an extent that means that they don't care about it. It falls into, um, or it has the danger, I think, to fall into, it can fall into a trap whereby we think that we're sort of, or it can sound to some people who aren't uh, familiar with how the church speaks, that we are somehow cold or removed from other people who aren't part of our social group and that's not what it means at all uh, if you look in the lives of the saints you'll find actually many examples of saints who go out who go out into the world and want to meet people who are different to them but as saint Teresa of Lisieux says the world is thy bark and not thy home we're called to be in the world but we're not called to be of the world so that's the distinction maybe that we could make saints are very much in and a part of the world but they're not of the world they're not worldly they're not just trying to build up lots of material possessions for example or seeking uh, hedonistic um, pleasure right so in the world but not of the world intimately related and connected to our brothers and sisters uh, to our, our fellow human beings but not concerned with uh, amassing vast amounts of treasure here on earth but vast amounts of treasure in heaven i think it goes back to that universal call to holiness so if you're called to be holy and in friendship with god then you're called to ultimate joy and happiness so those who have been set apart to by god to live with him have found that god alone is the source of complete joy so then in love of neighbor and love of people around them they go out to bring that great joy which is god to other people so in care for other people you're, you're, you're ultimately bringing them the love of god um, i remember earlier on in the episode you said something about uh, that the saints we look at the saints and it can be daunting we look at them and we think blimey they're they're perfect how could i ever be perfect but i suppose the the point is that the saints the saints are not so different from us the saints they were all human right yeah they all had the same struggles that we have 
if they can do it you can too <laughs> yeah you know if they can do it you know you can too they had exactly the same issues and problems that we have and they're all very diverse you know you've got saint bernadette uh, you've got St. Teresa Plessu, you've got St. Peter, you've got St. Michael, you've got Maximilian Kolbe, uh, you've got St. Thomas Aquinas. So some of those are really heavily involved in justice. Uh, some of those are enclosed saints. Uh, we've also got married saints. One of the things that a lot of people don't realize is that St. Peter was married, uh, as well as being the, uh, the, the first pope. St. Michael, who's an angel. So he doesn't have a physical body. He has, he, he's uh, uh, what we call an intellect or, or yeah, maybe I'll leave that for another episode. Uh, so yeah, they're very, very diverse. But one thing that I want to come back to maybe is this idea of perfection and how intimidating that that might seem. Well, Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And he doesn't command the impossible. Well, how is how how are those two things reconcilable, right? Well, it is. So what we're what we're trying to get at there then, so okay, when we think about perfection, we think about God, we might also think that uh about God being omnipotent or God being omniscient or God being omnibenevolent. These are all perfections. These are all uh, the the perfection of God, right? Now, we're not called to be perfect in that sense. So it's not the case that I'm ever expected to be omnipotent, omniscient or anything like that. They, those things are not perfections that I am expected to show. But I can then be perfect in a way that is appropriate for a human being to be perfect. And I can cultivate virtues and grow in virtues and it may be at the end of my life that i still have some more growth that that, that needs to be done or i might need to be purified of some things um, but it is certainly possible for me to achieve a certain level of perfection so it's speaking about perfection in a certain sense right so a perfection it's a, a sort of completeness but what we what we're talking about when we mean that God is perfect and we mean human beings are perfect might be slightly different things. Right. So it's not the case that you're expected to, to be uh, to do things that you that you just can't do. Now, there might be some things that you might think, oh, I can't do that, but actually that you can. Right. And this is one of the reasons why we keep trying to progress in gentleness, kindness and patience. This is one of the reasons why we pray to the Holy Spirit to get to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to become a spirit filled person united in Christ and to become a great saint in heaven. Right. And to be a great saint here and now as much as we can be. So it's not that discussion of perfection isn't something to be intimidated by because you're not being asked to be anything more than you can be. Just just before we came on, you had that great quote from thomas aquinas oh it's gone out of my head now how uh grace grace builds on nature grace perfects nature it doesn't obliterate it so the gifts that you will be given of patience of fortitude of kindness and generosity and all those things those things build on your human nature you're not expected to be anything other than human now this brings us to another side question. What does it mean to be human? Uh, now, some people will say to err is human, to forgive divine. I don't think that actually that's true. I don't think that it's more human 
to make mistakes. Yes, it's true that humans make mistakes. That's true. Yes, it's true that, that human beings sin. But who do you think was more humane or more authentically human? Adolf Hitler or Mother Teresa? This is one of those questions that I always come back to with my confirmation saints. Who is it that is that we would identify as being more human and who is it we would say made more serious mistakes in their life right quite obviously mother Teresa wasn't a, a genocidal maniac trying to conquer the world uh, I mean maybe she tried to conquer the world through love um, but she wasn't uh, as Hitler was right so there is something that I think just sort of illustrates that point about how grace builds on nature and how uh, to become a saint is not to become less human it's to become more human it's to be the most uh, fully alive human being that you could possibly be so a good thing to remember is that the saints are all unique every single saint is different and that should be encouraging for all of us so each and every one of us is unique and as a saint as a, a person living in communion with god we're going to be completely unique to you're the absolutely next saint. right i mean you're not called to be somebody else you know we might want to emulate virtues that we see in other people but I, I would say more sort of emulate rather than necessarily imitate you're not called to be somebody else i'm not called to be mother Teresa. i'm not called to be francis of assisi i'm not even called to be saint dominic or thomas aquinas uh, in a similar way, Dan, you're not called to be Teresa of Lisieux or or Mary, the mother of God. They are called to be to be those people, right? You are called to be Saint Daniel Ferguson when the time gets there, uh, you know. Um, and 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 similar with with all of our listeners, you're called to be fully yourself and to just sort of realize that maybe having to think about those saints who I mentioned earlier, Saint Bernadette Subaru, who of course was a a visionary she saw our lady at lords um, but that's of course not why the church declared her to be a saint the the church didn't declare her to be a saint just because she saw our lady she was declared to be a saint because she was a good disciple she was a faithful disciple of jesus christ who had a message to pass on which she delivered again faithfully uh, her sisters testified to her kindness to her virtues to her prayer life and this is how uh, bernadette uh, Bernadette becomes a saint and she provides a great uh, witness to us uh, and she does have a lot to say and a lot to teach us not only from her time in Lourdes but also subsequently when she was a religious sister in Nevers. Similarly with Saint Therese of Lisieux she's a doctor of the church she didn't write a great uh, a, a massive huge theology book like thomas aquinas she just wrote her autobiography and her autobiography was filled with so many insights from the spiritual life from about god that her testimony her spiritual insights have bellowed throughout the world um, but again why is it Teresa of Lisieux as a saint it's her humility it's her practice of charity and it's that charity which is the fundamental bedrock of every christian life and so then people and but not only that she helps other people to become a saint by uh, showing what what she calls a little way she talks about the little way to god in a similar in a in a uh, actually in a very different vein you have somebody like saint peter 
somebody like St. Peter, who in the end was martyred uh, for uh, his love of Christ, uh, to remain faithful uh, to Christ. He denies Jesus many times. He's quite tempestuous. He's got quite a, a temper on him by all stretches, by all, by all accounts. Uh, St. Michael the Archangel again, he's uh, an angel. He He's very different, obviously, to, to a human being, <laughs> being an angel. St. Gabriel uh, the Archangel uh, being entrusted with a very particular mission by God. But again, all of these things have some things in common. What do they have in common? What they have in common is their fidelity to the Lord. Their charity is another thing, again, they have in common virtue but again they're going to be different in temperament they're going to be from different times in the world they had different missions to do different things to fulfill they had different things that they liked and different things that they didn't like there were also examples in history of two saints who didn't get on very well right yeah you have saints who were great friends but you also have saints who weren't great friends at all yeah so don't be discouraged by anything you know run that great race you know perform works of love works of charity avoid gossip and sin and things like that you know so finding out how one becomes a saint uh, and working as hard as you can striving to become as virtuous as you can pray uh, learn uh, about the faith uh, and grow in love of god and love of neighbor all right so we'll see you next week for another episode thanks for joining us bye bye god bless